This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're stepping into the fire in episode number 119. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. It's Kristen, and we are here for episode 119 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Sometimes I still find that hard to believe, but here we are. I got a question from a reader, a listener recently that I thought was a really good question. So she had really wanted to uh, to be able to bring her baby up herself and uh, and just experience that joy and that feeling of doing it for herself, but when her water broke, she basically went from what she felt like was kind of a slow pushing stage to her water broke, and then her baby was basically crowning, and it felt really intense, overwhelmingly intense for her, and she ended up, um, she said, hollering basically for her midwife's help, and so she emailed me afterwards with some reflections and some questions, and she actually suggested that it would be a good topic for the podcast, and I agreed with her, so... I thought that I would talk about that some today because not only do I feel like it's a question that many women who are interested in natural birth have, how can I be prepared to bring my baby up myself, I also feel like it's a question that women should be asking, that it's something that should be the norm in our culture. And as I made my notes for today's podcast, I said the way that I phrased it in my notes was I want to help change a paradigm that we are having babies not delivering pizzas. We hold this paradigm in our mind. Even even many women who are planning a home birth, I hear this same terminology that she'll come and deliver me. This this that the doctor or the midwife is going to deliver the baby. Well, it's the woman who births the baby. They're just there. They're there for a reason. We're not going to go into all that in this podcast because y'all know that I know that and I know that you know that. But it is the woman who is birthing the baby. We deliver pizzas. We birth babies. Okay? We hire people to deliver our pizzas. We birth our babies. Now, that doesn't mean it's, you know, you may may not need help. We'll come to that. But we want to just change the paradigm. But I don't think we can just do that overnight. I don't think that we can just do that. One of the things that I think is really interesting in looking at birth, I'm fascinated by birth. I'll admit that. Fascinated by birth, fascinated by natural birth, the hormones of birth, everything that goes into birth. I want to know more about it. I want to understand more about it. And so one of the things that I find really intriguing is to look at the history of birth. How have women dealt with birth throughout the ages? And one thing that I find very intriguing is that there seems to be a great difference. But I think that when we look at the way that birth happened for women in the past, and especially when we focus only on a view from the Western world, though I I doubt that this is limited to the Western world, but that's where most of our medical literature comes from. But when we look at the way that they recorded birth, even, um, you know, even the midwives recorded birth, a lot of times we see that women, they, even though birth was natural then because it had to be, 
pretty much, you know, until women could have chloroform and ether and that sort of thing. I mean, all births had to be natural. But we see this record that women didn't really deal with it. They just kind of uh, hung on and threw themselves around and screamed and hollered through it. So that's interesting to me that we see that when we look at these records, the medical records, even, like I said, even in records from midwives of antiquity, we see that. But then also we see and hear things, and these may not necessarily be historical, but when we look at anthropological recordings of births and other cultures, and again, anthropologists are going into tribal cultures or cultures where Western civilization hasn't touched it so much. And I'm certain in, in many of those cultures, we would also have women who, who didn't work very well with birth. And I'll, I'm actually going to talk about the pink kit in a little bit, but um, the pink kit was created by uh, the Common Knowledge Trust. And one of the trustees for the Common Knowledge Trust has done a lot of work with birthing women in many cultures. And her observations hold up to this, that some cultures, women were prepared for birth or at least handled birth. And then in other cultures, women were totally unprepared or it was expected that they were going to throw themselves around and holler. So even what she's observed in her lifetime shows this dichotomy. But I find it very interesting that we see anthropological reports of women who will go out away from their tribe or away from their community, and they will give birth solo. And the only way that we know that she's given birth is because she's gotten up and left, and then she comes back with a baby. Or there are other reports and other cultures where even where the husband is involved, but the birth is a very active thing, and it happens in the hut, and there's not a lot of screaming. Now, again, I'm not saying that screaming is wrong. I just think that it's very interesting that that we see that women have had to do birth naturally, and that doesn't necessarily guarantee a peaceful outcome. I think that the key difference for that is the expectations, is what women have have been conditioned to believe about birth. And in cultures where they don't know anything about birth, which is true in some cultures, women have no idea about birth, or where the conditioning has been negative, the experience tends to match that. I'm not saying that that's completely 100% it, because we have many women who prepare for birth and they're still floored when they get into the into the swing of it. Um, we saw a mom... A first time mom gave birth was a beautiful birth. And, but she had said, you know, prenatally that she wasn't really worried. She didn't really feel like she needed any birthing classes or anything like that. She could handle the pain. And when she got into it, man, it was really tough. And she needed, she needed support, like somebody just to really hold the space for her to remind her that she was strong, that what she was feeling was normal. And maybe even if she'd taken birthing classes and prepared more, she would have needed the same things. But I think what I'm saying with that is that even women who feel very confident beforehand are still sometimes taken by surprise. But it's just very interesting to think that different cultural expectations, different cultural conditioning can make such a huge difference in birth and what women do to work with the process of natural birth. And I find that to be pretty encouraging, actually. I I sometimes wish that I, you know, I had a time machine and I could go back into the past uh, and, you know, teach 
about birth to all these women. And I know that's a bit presumptuous of me that I could go into every time and every place and every group of women and connect with them. But you just sometimes think like if I could just go far enough back to to get to the very beginnings and teach something about birth, then maybe what we came up with in all cultures would be very different. But anyways, that's just to talk about preparing and the paradigm that you hold. And I think that today we hold a paradigm that is that birth is tough, birth is hard, birth hurts, labor hurts. I don't know if I can do it. XYZ woman close to me, related to me, friends with me had so much trouble and that the doctor or the midwife is here to deliver me. And I feel like we should work to change that paradigm back to I am a strong birthing woman and not go back to the place that we read about in the history books of pioneer women and women, you know, up and coming Western society threw themselves around and everything and not necessarily go back to those women in the anthropological reports who went off to have their babies by themselves. So if you really wanted to, you could. But come to this place where we believe that a woman has the strength and the power to do this. It's like if you look at some of the coming-of-age rituals that young men and even young women go through in some tribal cultures, sometimes it's really difficult what they go through. Sometimes it's probably not right, kind of like a hazing thing. but, But when we look at the fact that they've been conditioned to handle those things and stand up to them, they're able to. And... Nature has built a coming-of-age ritual in for women, which is giving birth. And women can give birth with power. It doesn't mean silence. It doesn't mean screaming. It doesn't really mean any one thing. It just means with power. So let's talk. So I've hinted quite a bit at that intensity. And I actually really think that intensity is something that you need to be fully aware of. And especially when we talk about this part of birth. Because I've talked about working with birth before. I teach classes at mamababybirthing.com. If you want a full childbirth class series that you can go through online. But what I'm really talking about right now is what my listener asked me about, which is the intensity of that moment or the moments, timeless moments, where your baby is quote-unquote crowning, that's the medical terminology for it, and being born. So that means when the baby's head is at the perineum, that's another medical terminology um, for the tissues at the very bottom, like around the vaginal opening, the opening of the birth canal. The baby's head is sitting right there. Those tissues are stretching, are opening. The baby's head is passing through them. That is a moment of extreme intensity. In fact, you often hear it described in our culture as the ring of fire, which is why I opened this podcast by saying we're walking into the fire. I know there are childbirth methods that would prefer that you not use any terminology that's related to pain, and I respect that. In fact, I've used one of those to prepare for my own babies, and I'll mention that in a bit. But I do think there's something to be said by acknowledge, or for acknowledging that this is a time of great intensity. And the intensity, I believe, is not just physical. And ladies, I'm sorry, I can't do a podcast like this and keep my beliefs out of it completely. But I believe that this is a time not only when your body is physically opening 
to shoot forth a baby, but this is a time when an intense change is happening to you. You are becoming a mother or becoming a mother again, which is no less significant really than the first time because it all involves an intense commitment to another human being, a recommitment to a new human being. So there's the intensity of this is actually happening. This thing that I have been waiting for for so long, this person I have been waiting to meet for so long is coming forth. And then I believe there's an intensity that comes from the baby's energies. The baby is coming forth. This soul is burning its way into life to say that I am here. I am on this planet and I have a purpose. And none of us mothers know what that purpose is for our children. They come for something that is much greater than us. And there is a lot of intensity in all of that. And truly, the crowning of the baby when the head is coming down and being born is the time when that gateway is opening, when those changes are truly, truly starting to happen. And so aside from the physical sensations, there's very much going on in this. And and we know medical science has proven that it's not just the physical that makes a difference. We are beings who are composed of much more than the physical. We have a soul and a spirit, emotions. We have a mind. All of those things go into this. So I think that's one of the reasons why the moment is so intense. Really, even if we never talked about the physical sensation, it is a transformation for us and a birth for our babies. That's a big thing. That's a huge thing. But the physical sensation, I think it's important to honor the fact that many, many, many women experience an intense physical sensation as their body fully opens for their baby. We often think about the opening as the opening of the cervix, because when you think about birth in mechanical terms, it goes from one centimeter to 10 centimeters, you open up and the baby comes down. But that's not the only thing that opens. The birth canal, your vaginal walls, open and expand for your baby. And then the opening of the vagina expands for the baby so that the baby can come through. Our tissues literally open for our babies. And that is intense. It doesn't really matter what you've played at before then. A baby's head is probably the biggest thing that's going to head through that opening. It's pretty intense. Is stings for a lot of women. And even if you feel like, even if you feel like I handled labor really well, I even handled pushing really well. Many women are energized by the pushing stage of labor. It's just something they really get into and they can do it, especially after feeling like maybe they just had to work with early labor. It wasn't something as active. They really get into that pushing. But then this is, this baby coming forth, the crowning of the head and the birth of the head is another sensation. It's something else, something beyond that. And you don't have much time to integrate it. See, the early part of your birthing time, unless you're having a really fast labor, you probably have a little bit of time to integrate it. And even going through transition, which is that last opening of the cervix and the baby really starting to dive down, it's very intense. You still, you get a minute to integrate that. And then the pushing, you probably get a few minutes to integrate that. Maybe only a few, but your body is doing it and you're working with it and you're going with it. And then there's this sensation that starts and it feels so timeless. It feels like eternity, but in actuality, it's only minutes. So you probably did hours 
and a good chunk of minutes even on the pushing stage. And now here's an experience that has so much intensity and so much wrapped up into it. And it it only takes a very short time. There's really not enough time to integrate it in that moment. And I think that's where a lot of women can get carried away. And women respond differently. Some women yell and scream and tense up because it hurts. Other women just want it over and so they want to just push through it. Um, Janine Pavardi Baker in her book, um, Prenatal Yoga and Natural Childbirth, she has her birth stories in the book. And I believe it's the birth of her fourth baby, a son, that she talks about. She just pushed through that fire and even reached down and pulled back her tissues herself. She ended up with a tear. That's always been in my subconscious mind when I'm pushing my babies out is that story. I'm grateful for her. Um, she's passed from this world now, but writing that experience down and sharing it with us women so that as we move forward, we might have some wisdom for handling that. But it's just different women deal with that intensity in different ways. Just like different women birth in different ways. I do not think there is a cookie cutter thing such as birth. And one of the things that I've been so blessed to see as I've been blessed to watch births is just seeing the way that women manifest the incredible energy of birthing. And just it's just beautiful. And I love the variety. And I feel like it just underscores the fact that we as women are so powerful and we have so much to offer the world with our unique gifts and our unique power. And, and again, we see that in the way that we birth our babies. So I want to acknowledge the intensity. I want to share the intensity. I know that if you've never given birth before, it can be really hard to imagine. What does she mean? What do they mean when they say ring of fire? What's it going to mean that, you know, I feel desperate to get the baby out? It's just, it stings for many women and it hurts. And most, many women want to holler through it. It hurts, you know, it's like yesterday, my, we had a, AC adapter that the plug end of it was sticking up and I stepped on it. It hurt. I wanted to holler and that's nothing compared to a baby being born. So it's just something that hurts and you want to holler through it. So it's not something to just say, oh, I'll just deal with it. I don't think at least. I think that you could get to the place where you say, I'm just going to step into it whatever comes, I'm ready for it. And for some women, that is going to work. What I feel is that, is that it's, it's a key to prepare. That preparing for it, not dreading, but preparing, knowing that this is going to happen, knowing that these tissues are going to stretch, really, really makes a big difference. I said that I would come back around to the pink kit. I really like the pink kit. Um, I was asked to review the pink kit or got the pink kit for review. It's been so long. But it was after my third baby had been born. Um, and I had just started my website not too long before that. And so I was doing product reviews and things like that. And it, it was one of the things that I wanted to review. So... I wanted to give it a good review. I had already birthed three babies without it. Uh, I had no no prospects of birthing another baby anytime soon at that time. Um, but I just went through and did everything that was in the pink kit. Now, the pink kit isn't a childbirth class. It's more a collection of skills to use during birth. It's quite unique. 
I feel. But one of the things that it talks about is is preparing, uh, preparing for as the baby comes down and out, preparing to be able to soften and open the tissues. And notice I I use language like that, which is influenced by the pink kit and also hypno babies, which I'll talk about in a bit. I feel like that language is important because if you tell somebody to relax, they often tense up, uh, and we often, when we think relaxation, we often think tension. But when you think about softening and opening, like even saying those words makes my entire bottom soften and open at this point in my life. Um, but when we think about those words, and that's why you'll hear me use those words, is they're more descriptive. They're more powerful words, especially to use in this context. But the pink kit has a wide variety of skills, a wide variety of things to do, like many ideas to do if you feel like labor stalled or that sort of thing. It's basically a toolkit uh, to use for your birthing time and as you prepare for your birthing time. But one of the things that it talks about is preparing your tissues for this moment, these moments as the baby's coming down and what that feels like. Now it's different than perennial massage. So perennial massage is something you may have heard of. Perennial massage is something that's done to help uh, try and prevent tearing. And it's it's basically the literature says it, it doesn't seem to make much difference one way or the other. The internal work is more, it's proprietary, so I can't describe it completely. But it's more about conditioning your tissues to relax, especially when you would feel pressure that's similar to a baby coming down. So you go through, it's, it's actually an audio walkthrough of the internal work that you can go through the first few times you do it, first several times you do it, it's good to do it with the audio walking you through, and then you can do it after that. You can have your husband or your partner do it, or you can do it for yourself. It doesn't really matter. I've done, I've had Scott do it in some pregnancies and in some I've done it on my own. I think it really depends on what you feel comfortable with and what you feel good about. But... It's, it's, again, it's helping to condition those tissues to soften, to release when they feel that pressure, which I think is very valuable. Another thing that I think is really, really valuable, and it goes right along with that conditioning, is anytime you're in a situation where things feel similar to a baby being born, it's good to practice that relaxation, that conditioning. And the place where most of us experience that is when we go into the bathroom every day or maybe every other day because pregnancy messes with you to have a bowel movement. That pressure feels remarkably like a baby's head coming down. Now, it doesn't really feel like the ring of fire, though if you have been constipated for a few days and then you have a lot coming down, it can be painful. So that can give you a an idea, but a baby's head is generally going to be bigger. Um, but the pressure coming down feels very much the same. You've probably heard stories about women who said, oh, I, I really need to poop. And what they really, really were going to do was have a baby because the baby's head coming down and pushing, um, pushing up against the walls of the birth canal kind of triggers and stimulates those same nerves. So it feels very similar. So if you condition yourself, and you can do this even every time you go to the bathroom just to pee. Condition yourself to soften and open. Think about those tissues. Feel those tissues. What did they feel like? And you can do something like doing a Kegel or Kegel to tense up and then completely relax. You know, just 
tighten up all those sphincters down there uh, and then let them relax to get an idea for it. But just when you find yourself in that situation where you're in the bathroom, especially for a bowel movement, but if you're at the end of pregnancy, you're probably in there a lot just to pee, then take that time to relax, to experience relaxation, to be aware One of the things that I talk about in my mama baby birthing classes is that for many of us, um, our body is something we've been kind of ashamed of. And even though sexuality is a good thing and a healthy thing, I think, regardless of your faith background or belief system, um, the way that it's communicated to us, especially when we're teenagers and young girls, is that sexuality is something that we should turn off and therefore, and then we have these messy things called periods. And anyways, we often end up with a lot of shame or just completely trying to ignore what goes on kind of below the belt. And this isn't, we're not going to talk about the right and wrong of all of that right now or what I believe it should be or anything like that, but The fact of the matter is, is many of us have spent a really long time really just kind of ignoring what goes on down there. (laughs) So this is a good time to pay attention, to pay attention to what tension feels like. What does it feel like when I tense everything up down there, including my glutes? What does it feel like when I tense everything up, including my glutes and my thighs, which can happen to women in labor when they're really tense? What does it feel like when I relax all of that? Just really conditioning and becoming aware, really paying attention to this, taking taking a f- couple of extra minutes in the bathroom when you go in there, maybe to soak in the peace and quiet if you've got a whole bunch of small children screaming elsewhere in the house. Ask me how I know. But also to really just become aware of your body. These kinds of preparations really make a difference. They really make a difference. They may not be a miracle, but there's something to do to help you become more familiar with yourself, to help you understand tension and relaxation, to help you teach your body that those sensations are not bad. Those sensations are not things that you have to try and close up against, but rather those sensations down there can be something that you open through, that you soften through. And I, excuse me, I am blessed because I don't have any abuse in my past. But I know that for some of you, you may have abuse in your past. And so there's another layer in this. And that's one, this is a place where I think, especially when we get into a territory of abuse, um, where having a midwife who is experienced and compassionate in this can be really helpful. Because she can help you step into the power that is inherent in birthing while also respecting the extreme vulnerability that it requires of you. So again, I don't have personal experience with that, but I do want to acknowledge that I understand that that's where some of you are coming from and that that adds a new layer. And I would just, I would really encourage you to seek out, and if you're choosing a hospital birth for whatever reason, you may want to seek out a doula who knows, um, you know, you and she have sat down and really discussed this and talked about this and you trust her and have been able to be open with her because she will be able to help you in ways that a medical provider just might not be able to do. So that's something to think about if that's a situation for you. So let's move forward a little bit from preparation, which I feel is vital. We'll, we'll revisit it in a bit. 
But let's talk about, so, you know, expectations versus expectations. So I think that there's a big difference between the standard expectations that are programmed into us by society, which is that birth is going to hurt, it's going to be torturous and painful, and that we would be throwing ourselves around or whatever. Um, and then there's there's a healthy expectation that I can do this and that I can go into this and do it. Um, and I think that, but I think we need to, you know, both of those expectations are valid. And I think that the second one, that I can do this, is good. But I also feel like we need to temper it with uh, with that this is going to be a big thing. And I might have to adjust. I might have to adapt. There may be moments where it feels really difficult. And that's okay. That's another expectation that I think that we often form as as women who are preparing for natural births. And I will admit, even when I write, if I write about a class that I'm doing for natural birth or something like that, I will often write that it will help you feel like you can be calm and confident in birth because that's that's what most of us want, you know. So in order to get a class out there, I need to say what you want to hear. But the reality is, is that even if you're calm and confident for most of your birth, there may be a time when you doubt. There may be a time when it feels too much to handle. That might come early in labor, it might come in transition, it might come in pushing, it might come when you're crowning or your baby is crowning. It might not come at all, but I believe that for many women it does. There's times of doubt. I can think about times in every single one of my seven labors I've doubted. Now at this point for me, once things get underway, it's not usually there quite so much. Like with Sadie's birth, it was there early on where I was like, am I crazy? Am I really in labor or not? Because things were really weird. But even in Corwin's birth, I can remember thinking, you know, maybe this is going to take a long time. Hasn't this been taking forever? And it really hadn't. But it felt like that to me. You know, there's these periods of doubt that we all have. Oh my gosh, this is taking a lot out of me. I don't know if I can keep doing this. It's just normal. It's just natural. And so when we go into our birthing time with the expectation that we are strong and that we can do this and that it might be tough, I feel like that's a healthier place to go into birth than I can do this, it's natural, I'm not going to have any problems. You might not have any problems, you might not have any doubts, but a woman who's running a marathon or climbing a mountain may not have any doubts, or she may really, really, really need those people who are on the sideline cheering her on, acknowledging her, um, those, you know, just that voice in her head or that partner who's climbing with her to tell her, you can do this. You've prepared for this. You're ready for this. Let's take a second and ground ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So when, you know, there are so many different expectations for birth in our society and you have to find your place and your expectations But I think that feeling like I am strong enough to do this, I am strong enough to overcome whatever may come. And it might, I might have to tell myself that when I'm in the middle of it is a healthy place to be. I also think because we have this pizza paradigm of birth, that babies are delivered, 
this is the place where I feel like my listener was having a big problem or is having a challenge within herself, really, is asking for help versus being delivered. See, and this is a problem with care providers too. This isn't just a woman thing. This is like our entire paradigm of birth. When a woman asks for help when she's in labor right now, especially if she's in the hospital and doesn't have a doula or a well-prepared partner or a caring midwife or a really in-tune OB, what's usually heard is, I need you to save me. And I, I, I don't know, maybe this was there with midwives in the past too, I, I suspect this probably has a lot to do with men really coming into birth because men in general want to fix things. They want to be knights in shining armor. They want to ride in and save the damsel in distress. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's the way men are wired for a reason, just like we're wired the way we are wired for a reason. But in your birthing time, and when a woman says, I need help, it's, even if she says, oh my gosh, just, you know, this is too much for me. I don't cut it out of me or get me the meds or whatever. That's not always what she means. Now, she's really emphatic about it. You know, we respect that. I respect you and your choice. But often, especially the first time that you say that or, oh my gosh, this hurts, accompanied by a whole lot of other more colorful language, is really that's asking for help and not asking to be delivered. And I feel like if we had care providers who were more in tune for this, with this, it would be easier for us as women to ask for help. So this mom, when she says she screamed for her midwife to help, and I don't know, with a midwife, I don't know, I wasn't there at her birth. I don't know exactly what happened, just what she told me, but you know, if she had talked about this with her midwife beforehand, or even if her midwife had done this education beforehand, which is something else I think is really important, is, you know, then she could say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm going to guide your hands, I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you support yourself, or even I'm going to help you bring your baby up. I'm right here. Just that reassurance that somebody's here, that somebody can help me, and that somebody can help me do this for myself is, I believe, an incredible gift to be able to give. And I believe that for us as women, looking for that person to cheer us on, just like that woman who's running the marathon, and she doesn't think she can do it. And then she looks off to the sidelines, and she sees her husband and her children and her mom cheering her on and saying, you can do this. And she gets that burst, and she goes because it gave her something that she needed. It's the same in birth. We, are, <laughs> If you want to go out in the bushes and birth your baby like, <laughs> like those women did, that's fine. But in general, when we give birth just like we live life, we are not an island. And it is okay to say, whoa, I really need you here. I really need you right now. And that's where, again, this is a lot of this stuff happens in pregnancy, communication, choosing a provider who's going to be there to support you and to help you is really important. Okay, so a, a few practical things for, for crowning and bringing your baby up, because we've talked a lot about ideological things. I would encourage you not to be afraid to touch yourself. This I touched on, no pun intended, a little bit 
when I talked about developing your awareness and, and our bodies and levels of shame or comfort or discomfort we may feel with our bodies. But I feel like something that can be really helpful when your baby's born, and this part of this is because this is from my very own, very personal experience, is having this this ability to touch your own tissues and to connect with yourself and your baby and not to be afraid to do that. That's one of the reasons why I like the internal work from the pink kit. And especially, I think it's beneficial, even if you have your husband or partner help you do it, to do it on your own sometimes is because you're using your own fingers to um, to work on. It's It's almost like massage, but not really. But basically to work with those tissues during pregnancy. And so you become conditioned to relaxing to your own touch. And then in labor, you can relax to your own touch. And sometimes that ring of fire feels like, oh my gosh, this baby is just going to catapult out of me and tear me in half. And having hands down there, somebody else's or yours, can really make a big difference. And I, I... I'm a fan of having my own hands down there. If you want your midwife's hands down there, that's fine. But I like having my own hands down there. And I think that for many of us, there's this desire to birth and bring up our babies. And that that's our own hands doing that. So again, there's this comfort level that you come to with not being afraid to put your own hands down there. Not being afraid to touch for yourself, to feel for yourself. And I'm not suggesting that you need to, you know, check your own dilation or anything like that throughout pregnancy. I've never wanted to do that. If you want to, that's fine. But knowing that you are comfortable with feeling your own tissues or what's going on with my baby, what's my baby doing right now, can be something that I think is empowering. I can, I literally think it's, it's burned into the tips of my fingers that I reached in and felt and like felt the curve of my baby's head while I was birthing Galen. That's my fourth baby. The first time I'd ever reached inside or felt my myself as my baby was born. And I can still like that, the memory of feeling the curve of his head is burned into my fingertips. And also, I felt it with Honor, my fifth baby. I felt that with her. I didn't with Corwin because he came so fast. Um, but And then also with Sadie. And with Sadie, it was I would say it was even more intimate. Uh, and just, I had a new comfort level and just feeling her. Uh, and so that's one thing, like connecting with your baby. And it doesn't, it doesn't take the physical sensation away, really. It doesn't, but it, it reminds you of what's going on. It, it helps you feel that purpose. And then as your baby's head is being born, you know, you can cradle your perineum. That's the tissues all down there surrounding the opening of the birth canal. And you can feel your baby's head as it's coming through. With Sadie, um, I felt that curve of her head as she was in there and I felt her come down it definitely stung as she was being born, um, and it kept stinging because 
as her head, her head was born and then the contraction stopped. So it was just her head out. And, and for a minute, it, the sting was just so intense that I, I did actually kind of try and push my own tissues aside a little bit, kind of like, you know, let's just get this show on the road. And then I don't know, again, there's that re- subconscious remembrance of, uh, of Janine Pavardi Baker's story and the realization that, okay, there's no contraction. I just have to wait. Um, and then there was this moment is timeless in my mind of just waiting and stroking her head, feeling her head, rubbing around on her head, and, and also rubbing along in my own tissues as I did that. And just reminding myself to take a moment, to take a moment. So I think that developing that familiarity and that comfort level with being able to touch yourself and knowing that you'll be able to greet your baby in that most intimate way that perhaps your fingers will be the first fingers to ever stroke your baby on the outside is just, I think that's beautiful. Um, You know, that's something to to hold on to and to prepare for, I think. Um, Another thing I think is really important, another practical thing is to remember to breathe. And this is where a support person can really help you um, if it's just really, really hurting. Now, again, I've heard babies scream, moms scream their babies out. I have screamed, I screamed my honors head out even after I felt it. But there was that sting. Um, And, you know, you may not be breathing because you're screaming. (laughs) And that's... I think that a woman can show a lot of power in that way too. Um, But if you don't feel like you need to scream, remember to breathe. Remember to breathe. And that helps you to open. And you can talk to your support person or support people before this. Help me breathe through this. One thing that I've seen again and again and again with attending births is women will tell women, okay, Let's pant for a minute so that the baby's head is born gently. And they'll say, I can't breathe like that. I can't pant. I can't do that. And we'll say, you can. I'll help you. And we'll just kind of model what she should be doing. And she is able to do it. That's that's the thing is having somebody there to model for you. They're not there rescuing you. They're there helping you. They're there helping you, just like if you were in a hard race and you were getting out of breath and your running partner, whom you've been training with for this marathon for months, she paces up beside you and she just looks at you and says, remember to breathe, and then she does it and you do it with her. Nobody would feel ashamed of that, so don't feel ashamed if you ask for that help during your birthing time. And remember to breathe. As I described Sadie's head being born, I said that the contraction started and her head was there. That's something else that I feel like a lot of people do not realize is normal. And I want to encourage you that it happens. Not all the time. Sometimes the baby's head is born and the body comes right out. But a lot of times the baby's head is born and then there's a pause. You wait for the next contraction. A good thing to do in that moment is to breathe. It probably still stings, probably not quite as bad as when the baby's head was being born, but it's not comfortable to have a baby half in you and half out of you, but it is a timeless thing. It is a moment where we just, we just are. We just open with all of our being to what this moment is and breathe and you can stroke your baby and you can feel your baby. Physiologically, what's happening in this moment um, is your baby comes out and the way that your baby is navigated through the birth canal, uh, 
his or her head is turned so that it's kind of looking to the side. And in that moment, that wait, that pause between contractions, what happens is called restitution, where the baby's head turns to line up with the rest of the body, and then the shoulders come down and are born. So the baby has to restitute, and that pause is normal. Sometimes I feel like even educated medical professionals don't realize that restitution is a normal part of the mechanisms of birth, even though it's all in their medical textbooks. But, you know, we just wait. We wait for the baby to restitute. We wait for the next contraction. And then the baby's body comes on out. So there may be that pause where you're in that timeless moment waiting for the rest of your baby to be born. And just remember to breathe. And if you can, soften and open. And then as the next contraction starts, you'll push your baby out. And one of the ways that I've heard um, the midwives that I've been a student with is they'll encourage, you know, on your next contraction, you're going to push your baby out. And just that reminder and that help that that's what's going to happen. I feel like if you need to ask somebody to be there to help you, to support your perineum or to be there because you feel like it's rough, it's tough, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to relax, sometimes just having somebody's hands reminds you, and especially, say, a midwife who this is what she does, this is what she's used to, just that steadiness, um, you know, that that's what she does and she can be there and you feel her confidence you feel her calm literally kind of coming off of her and that helps you to relax I don't think that there's anything to feel bad about in that now if you feel really strongly about what we're talking about handling the crowning and bringing up your baby yourself again I would talk to your midwife about that beforehand one of the things that I have noticed with helping at births, one of the many things I've noticed, is that oftentimes um, my supervising midwife will ask the mom, do you want to feel your baby? And she'll shake her head and say no. And sometimes I think that's because she's really caught up in the moment, but usually I feel like it's fear. It's one of the things that makes me think when I am a midwife in practice, I want to talk about this very thing with women while they're still pregnant so that they're considering it. We had a birth not too long ago where the mom just, she needed some encouragement and the midwife, actually, she reached up and gently pulled the mom's hand down to feel her baby herself. She didn't ask. Um, And actually, there's two births. Another birth was a really big baby uh, and the mom was really having to work to push him out and she brought, the midwife brought the mom's hand down to feel the baby because I think she, the midwife, intuitively knew that that would encourage both of those mothers. And the first mother that I mentioned, she had a pretty average-sized baby, but she was working hard. And she put her hand down there repeatedly after the midwife did. And it was actually so beautiful that I almost started crying, even though I was supposed to stay calm in the birth. But it's just this power that... um, you know, that she embraces and this familiarity and this, this it's not an essential bond to have with the baby, but it is something pretty special, I think. And so really the moral of that story is that I feel like most midwives are very open to mom reaching down and feeling the baby, to mom's hands being down there. So talk with your midwife about this beforehand and tell her, you know, even if I ask for you, if it's really hurting and I really want you there, will you please help me? Give me support, but help me bring my baby up. Make sure that she knows 
what you want, what your wishes are, that I want my hands down there too. I want to be down there. And will you help me with that? And I can't really think of many midwives who would say no to that. So that, you know, there's that to keep in mind that you can talk about that. Now, the next thing that I have on my list is taking a minute versus bringing the baby right up. If you've had the baby in the water, you need to bring the baby right up. So this doesn't it doesn't really apply for a water birth. But if you're having the baby on land, one thing that we see when we watch mothers who birth undisturbed, so undisturbed does not necessarily mean unassisted, but when we watch a mom really just do her thing, um, is that oftentimes she'll birth the baby on a mat or on the bed or something, and then she'll take a minute just to breathe. Because, like I said, it was something super intense that you went through. And then she'll bring the baby up. I mention this not really because it has a lot to do with the technicalities of bringing the baby up, but just to let you know that it's normal. And I've even seen moms who have birthed in the water. Obviously, the baby gets brought right up. But then, whoa. You know, they just kind of take them and often the woman will throw her head back. Throw the head back. Take in deep breaths. Just the intensity and the enormity of the situation. And then you will see that, oh, where she melts over the baby and she bonds with the baby. So when you're bringing your baby up for yourself, it's okay, like if you've had a land birth, to let the baby rest for a minute, to take that breath, and then to bring the baby up. Or if you want to just bring the baby up, do that. And in the water Bring, when you bring up a waterborne baby, bring the baby up gently and calmly uh, in case the cord is short. That's something to remember. But you'll bring baby up gently and calmly right away. And then it's okay <sighs> if you breathe for a minute. And then you look at your baby. And you get to know your baby. So those are some things to remember right in the minute. Don't don't be afraid to touch your own tissues. Realize, first of all, that this is an intense transitional period where you go from just pushing to the baby's actually being born. Don't be afraid to touch yourself or to support yourself. Or if you ask for help, to say, help me. Help me know what to do. Help my fingers. And I think that's a good discussion to have prenatally because it's sometimes hard to talk about these things when you're in the middle of pushing a baby out. Um, But, you know, remember to breathe. One of the best things I think that you can ask for from, uh, from a support person at that time is help me breathe. Help me breathe. Remember that there's usually a pause between the head and the body. Not always, but usually. And then take a minute to bring the baby right up. The pregnancy that I feel like I did the most preparation for for this period was my sixth pregnancy. Like I mentioned before, with my fifth baby, Honor, I screamed her head out, which was very powerful. Scott loved it. He still talks about it. It was like a primal scream. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really want to scream a baby out again. Um, so I did a lot of preparation. Uh, a lot of, I did the pink kit internal work every day from like 32 weeks on. I did everything that I shared with you about sitting, you know, consciously relaxing and everything like that. I did my prenatal exercises, stretching, prenatal yoga. I listened to, like I, I mentioned, I listened to hypno babies. Um, with my fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh pregnancies. I will again with the eighth pregnancy that I'm on right now. But um, I really took those cue words. Peace is the word from hypno babies and 
from the pink kit, soften. And I used those two words anytime I was practicing relaxing all of those pelvic tissues, pelvic muscles. Also, don't forget bum muscles and thigh muscles when you're practicing that relaxation. Um, if you've read anything by Ina May, she talks about the sphincter law, which is like if we have a tight jaw, our sphincters at the bottom, like the anal sphincter and the vagina, tighten up automatically. So that's another thing. When you relax, all those pelvic tissues relax. All those sphincters also relax the glutes, your thighs, and let your jaw soften. Those are good things to practice relaxing. And that's what I did. I just really worked on that. Just relaxing, being aware. I really, really worked with those keywords. Anytime I went to the bathroom, I mentally said to myself, you know, peace and soften. And probably sometimes even said it out loud. Like if it had been a few days since I'd been able to go, then just, you know, practicing that and working on that. And again, being really diligent with the internal work. So Corwin's labor was pretty straightforward. My labors with my fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh babies have all felt pretty similar once they got going. Um, But the pushing stage with him was very different. Um, I felt very conscious, very aware of his head coming down. Uh, I kind of pictured light coming before his head, which is a visualization that you do in hypno babies, helping to soften, helping to let me open and be soft for him. Um, and the reason why I didn't reach in to feel his, feel his head is because I felt his head coming down and I thought to myself, I will reach in and feel once this contraction's done, except my body decided that it was just time to have the baby. So the contraction did not stop like I thought it was about to. Um, and his head was just born in his body and it was, I, I do not recall feeling the ring of fire, with him. Like I said, I felt it for sure with Honor and I felt it a bit with Sadie, which was the birth after him, so it's no guarantee. But I feel like a lot of that preparation made a pretty big difference. And he was born sweetly, smoothly, gently, and quietly so that nobody else realized that he had been born yet until I asked Scott to help me bring the baby up, even my midwives who were standing there watching. So it's just, it, it was a wonderful experience for me. Um, I feel like all my baby's births have been wonderful. Um, I wouldn't say his was even the pinnacle experience, but I do feel like the preparation paid off. Um, And after Sadie's birth, I did mentally tell myself, if we have another baby, I'm going to be a little more vigilant with my preparation. Um, But I think that too, part of it is realizing, and one of the things that I've seen so many times watching many women give birth now Um, is that that power comes through and women deal with it in different ways. And for different babies, it may need to come in different ways. You know, maybe their power is a little bit more intense sometimes and that lends to the sting. But I do feel like there's something to be said for preparing, um, for preparing mentally, emotionally, physically, for having these conversations with your care provider and with your support team beforehand letting them know what your wishes are and asking them if they'll support you in that when you need help, if you need help. And knowing that if you need help, it's an okay thing, just like that runner running her marathon may need some encouragement from the sidelines or from somebody coming up beside her and helping her pace. Just remember those things. Remember those things. And 
think about these things. Think about what you want when your baby's being born. Let's let's change the paradigm from the pizza delivery method of birth to women birthing their babies, women being strong. Even if you need to regroup for a minute, even if you need somebody to remind you of your strength, isn't that life? Isn't life having other people with us in a vibrant and beautiful community reminding us, reminding each other that we are strong, we can do this, we can get through this? Isn't that part of the beauty and the gift of life to have that done for you and to be able to do that for other people? But remember, at the core, you, mama, are strong. Let's rewrite this paradigm, not to be unconscious, perhaps like our foremothers were, just trapped in the situations that they were because of the time they lived in. But to really embrace what we can do now and embrace the beauty and the power of our bodies, embrace the support people that we can find, that we can seek out intentionally, and embrace the chance to get to know ourselves and the power of our bodies, and embrace the chance to reach down and literally embrace our babies in the first seconds of their lives. Okay, ladies, with that, I'll finish up because I've definitely carried on a long time about this. If you're interested, I talk about this extensively in my Mama Baby Birthing classes. We do a weekly Q&A for Mama Baby Birthing, and this is a topic that comes up quite a lot. Um, I'm happy to dive into it. I'm also happy you get the workbook Fearless Birth with Mama Baby Birthing. If you want to go through that and send that to me, I've had that moms fill out the worksheets and send them to me before. Or if you just want to come to the Q&A and talk about this, you have misgivings or you have previous birth experiences that are weighing on your mind or that are undermining your confidence, anything like that. I feel like everything that we have makes us the women that we are today, and it's worth taking it in consideration and talking through it, and then walking forward through it, knowing that it has made us a stronger woman. That's one of my favorite parts of teaching mama baby birthing. The class is self-paced. The recordings are all there. We even have a crash course that you can go through if your due date is next week. But I love the Q&A calls because then I can really make it what you need it to be for you. I would love to see you in the class. You can check out full details at mamababybirthing.com. That's M-A-M-A babybirthing.com. Otherwise, I will talk to you next week on the podcast, and I hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.